Good afternoon. Hello to everyone here. Our numbers are dropping, but we have hope. As I said, good afternoon to you all joining us via live stream. My name is Chance Sumner. I serve as senior pastor here along with Jesse Sternkey. Thank you for joining us. We're going to be exploring this morning for a brief meditation one word that Jesus says in John 19. Everybody, let's open up if you have a Bible. If you're joining us via live stream and you have a Bible, I'd like for you to open up to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 28. In this world, in this society, we are very blessed. We are very blessed to live in the 21st century. Because of our being born during this time, we have received blessings that very few people have. I think of blessings like electricity, antibiotics, vaccines, C-sections, pain medication, the internet, so many of these blessings, and they really are blessings. They're truly blessings. These are gifts from God. They make life much easier. So many of these blessings didn't exist 50, 100 years ago. And so we were born during the greatest time ever, the time whenever it is the least risky to give birth. You think of all of the mothers and children who have died in childbirth and how that problem has largely been taken care of and it's due to the timing of when we're born. Society has developed, society is developing. And yet nonetheless, even with these blessings, so many of the same problems persist. We are still, as people, just as lonely as we've ever been. We're just as fearful and anxious as we've ever been. And maybe even due to our ease of access to the internet and to the news, maybe we are even more anxious and fearful and guilt-ridden than we ever have been. There are some problems that society cannot help us with. And one of those problems that I'd like to tackle is this notion of peace. Dear friend, do you have peace in life? Do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with your decisions? Do you have peace with yourself? Are you at peace? Well, what I'd like to offer you this morning from the Word of God, based upon what Jesus has done for us, is peace. And that peace is based off this passage in John. John 19, 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. In this short time that we're together, what I'm going to argue for is that we can have peace. 
We can have peace in this life, true, abiding, meaningful peace. And that peace is found on Good Friday. Good Friday is the time that Christians both remember and celebrate the death of Jesus Christ. And my contention this morning is that our peace is intimately related to this notion of Good Friday. Specifically, it is related to Jesus' death on the cross. And even more specific than that, our peace is found in this one word that the English says, it is finished. That is my contention, that we as people, we as sinners, we as people who are very needy, who are searching for peace in the world, we can find our peace in this one word that Jesus says. Now you'll immediately notice that I'm saying one word. In the English here, it is finished. In John 19.30, when Jesus says that, that's three words. Now in Greek, it is one word. It is just one word. And that word is tetelestai. Tetelestai. Some people have said, some Christians have said, that this is one of the most important words ever spoken. Now tetelestai, the, the tense of the verb tetelestai is very interesting. In English, we have three tenses. We have past, present, and future. You think of, I washed my hands in the pandemic that we're in. Hopefully you're all doing that. Hopefully you're doing in the present tense, I wash my hands. I washed my hands, I wash my hands, and I will wash my hands, that's future. So this is all tense, past, present, and future. And you might be thinking, pastor, what on earth does my peace have to do with the tense of a verb? Quite a lot, quite a lot, dear friend. The tense of this verb is perfect. A perfect tense verb is a combination of past tense and present tense. A perfect tense verb is the combination of past and present tense. The perfect verb pulls together, the perfect tense pulls together a past reality with present consequences. So as this relates to Jesus, what we see here is it is finished. Jesus is referring to a completed act, something that happened in the past. In this it, when Jesus says it is finished, the it is referring to his earthly ministry, specifically as it finds its climax in his death. Christians believe that Jesus' death atones for man's sins. And atonement, what that means is simply, by Jesus' death, his blood takes away our sins. And what Jesus is saying here, it is finished, he is saying that his earthly life, the calling that the Father had placed upon him in his earthly life, beginning with his birth, occurring throughout his life and finding its climax in his death. Jesus is saying is all of that, this mission of atonement, this duty of atoning for the sins of mankind, for your sins, for my sins, Jesus is saying is that is done. 
That task that Jesus had is completed. So that's the present tense, excuse me, that's the past tense aspect of this perfect verb. But remember, a perfect verb is a combination of the past and the present. And the power of this verb is really found in the present tense emphasis. What Jesus is saying here is that his death, while occurring in the past, has implications for the present. Jesus' death in the past, while it did happen some 2,000 years ago, its relevance continues. And if we wrap this up into a theological idea, what Jesus is saying to us is that his death has extreme relevance for your life. You might think of the relevant things in your life that are going on. You have to get groceries. You have to get on your internet at your house so you can work. You have to wash your hands. You might need one of those masks. And those things are true. But more relevant, more relevant than the daily duties that we have. Some 2,000 years ago, still Jesus' death has relevance for you. And it has relevance for your peace. If you want peace in life, if you want peace with God, it's found in the ongoing relevance of Jesus' death for you. And there are two reasons why Jesus' death is still relevant for you. One reason is because in Jesus' death, he takes away our guilt. Jesus takes away our guilt. Now, if you think of the opposite of peace, think of the opposite of peace. One concept that comes to mind is guilt. This notion of guilt. I've struggled with guilt. I've felt guilty for my life decisions. I know that all of us have. And many of us might have this sense of guilt that never goes away. We might be haunted by the past, haunted by a decision that we made that was disastrous, severe regret, and we hold this deep in our souls and we carry this wherever we go. Few people might not know. Few people might know about it. Most people don't. But we carry these deep, this deep sense of guilt in our conscience and in our soul. One of my favorite stories in the Bible to illumine what this notion of guilt feels like. Peter says to Jesus, prior to Jesus being turned over to the Roman authorities, Jesus, I won't deny you. I won't deny you. And Jesus says, yes, you will. And as the narrative develops and as the story progresses, Peter denies Jesus. And what the passage says of Peter and he went outside and wept bitterly. You think of the mountain of guilt, the mountain of regret, the crushing psychological feelings that he's having. And we feel that too. 
Because of our sins, our sins condemn us and they bring judgment and guilt upon us. And what Jesus does is he takes upon himself our guilt. And what Jesus does is he nullifies our guilt, he cancels our guilt. And rather than guilt, he gives us peace. And that peace is a clean conscience. That peace is a trusting in the Lord. That peace is an acceptance of the circumstances that our lives are in. That peace is a rest for those who know Christ, for those who have been, whose guilt has been taken away. You can testify of this peace, that as life is so chaotic, we can say, it is well with my soul. That's the first aspect. That's the first reason why Jesus' death can give us peace. And the second reason, the second problem that Jesus deals with in his death is our death. So you think of guilt and you think of death. Those are the two biggest problems we have as people, guilt and death. And in Jesus' death, what he does is that he brings upon himself not just our guilt, but the consequences of that guilt, which is death. Jesus brings it upon himself, and he dies our death. He brings upon himself our guilt, and he brings upon himself the consequences of that guilt, which is death. And he dies our death. And you think of the fear. Think of the fear that death brings to so many. So many fear death. So many refuse to think about death because of the anxiety and turmoil it causes them. They don't have peace. But what Jesus' death does is he dies the death that we deserve. Yes, Christians still die. But death, in light of Jesus' death, is transformed. Rather than being the means of bringing us into eternal judgment, death for the Christian becomes the gateway to eternal life. And this brings tremendous peace by removing from the Christian, by removing from us fear. Jesus gives us peace. And we can say as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death that we know that the Lord is with us. We know that it is finished. We know that Jesus died our death. And what awaits us is eternal glory. What a tremendous peace this is. And the application, what it is, the way I want you to respond to this, it is finished, this tetelestai, this perfect tense verb that references an event in the past but continuing implications, this is how I want you to apply it. This is how I want us to end here. The completed work of Christ 
the finished work of Christ, what that means for you is that Jesus doesn't need your help. Jesus doesn't need your help. We might look at Jesus and say, Jesus, you know what? You're really awesome. I can see your love. I can see what you've done. But you know what? I need to kind of add to what you did for me. I need to kind of supplement it a little bit. Just a little bit. It just needs a little bit of me in there. And we think that we can add to Jesus' finished work with how we behave. Rather than accepting the finished work of Christ, what we say to Jesus is that Jesus, yeah, that's good, You're, that's good, that's wonderful what you did, but it's not really complete. I need to add to it. A good illustration for this, think of a couple that is celebrating their 30th year anniversary. Quite a feat, wow. I hope Catherine and I can be married for that long, longer than that. And you think of a husband who spends, think months working on a certain project. This project can be a number of things. Let's say he makes a nice piece of furniture for his wife. Let's say his wife has been wanting this specific piece of furniture and her husband, her spouse, sacrificed to make this. He took time off from work. He went to bed late. He woke up early. Sacrifice. He spent money. And he kept this a secret for a month. And he goes to present it to his wife. And she says, sweetie, it's wonderful. But you know what? There's a part over here that needs to be fixed. And I think I can help you. And also I see something over here. Let, let me help you with this. How would, she, how would he feel? How would he feel? He would feel that her reaction to that was subtracting from the gift that he gave. And as this relates to Jesus, this is the way it relates. What Jesus has done for us is far superior, eternally superior, than what a husband can offer a wife on their 30th wedding, 30th wedding anniversary far superior. What he has done is of eternal value. But what we do is we say, Jesus, you know what? You need a little help. And while we might not intend it to be a rejection of Jesus, it is. We say, Jesus, I need, I need to add my own good works to this. I need to get a little more money in the bank. Lord, I need to have a little bit more success in life before I truly trust you. And what that is, is that is a rejection of Jesus' completed work. Don't do that. Jesus doesn't need your help. What you need to do is you need to agree with Jesus here. When Jesus says it is finished, our response to Jesus' words is yes. Jesus, it is finished. Yes, Jesus, you are enough. You alone, you alone are enough for my peace. If I have you, Jesus, I have everything. 
I don't need to add anything to it. Not my works, not my good deeds, not my more, fi more finances, nothing. What we need to do to have peace, to have peace, is we say to Jesus, yes, Jesus, you are enough for me. Dear friend, do you have this peace? Do you have this peace? Do you have the ability to say right now with all that is going on in the world that you have peace, that you have a clean conscience, and that regardless of what circumstances you're in, you can say to Jesus, I trust you. Can you say that? Or is this not evident in your life? If you're trusting him now, keep trusting him more, dear Christian. And non-Christian, if you have failed to trust him, if you have yet to trust him, do it now. Tell Jesus that you agree with him whenever he says, it is finished. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. I pray, Father, that with our lives, with our mouths, with all of all that we have, that we would say, yes, Jesus, it is finished. Yes, what you have done for me is enough for me. You don't need my help. You don't need me to add to your finished work. But that it is finished. It is enough for my peace. I pray and ask, Father, for your blessing upon all those who hear. I pray that they would honor the Lord Jesus Christ by agreeing with what he says. In Jesus' name, amen.